This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. If you are not awake, that feedback really woke you up. I'm really glad to be here. Listen, um, we are a family together, and this week, um, I, just, I just have felt like we, we probably need to just stop and pray for a minute. We, we had a, a family who came to our church for quite a period of time, and um, many of you will remember V and her three children, V and Arnold. And Arnold unexpectedly went to be with the Lord this week, and so V, who is in Kelowna finishing schoolwork, is raising three kids now, unexpectedly a single parent. And um, that sort of takes the air out of the room a little bit. But I do think that this is important for us to know as a family, important for us to support. If you knew V, I just would encourage you to email her or find her because these are the moments that matter that we're connected. I mean, we all want to be connected when things are great because that's fun, but the, the moments that matter, and they will come to all of us, is where our breath gets taken away from us and things happen that we did not expect. This is where the church can actually be the church where we stand with each other. And listen, we don't have the answers. There will be times in your life where there are no answers for what happened, has happened. But these are the times where we can come alongside each other and actually walk with each other. This is why it matters that we're connected though. I remember when our, my own family went through a difficult season like this. Listen, I would often think to myself, my younger brother was killed in an accident, and I would often think to myself through this season of grieving, what do people do that don't have anybody? And this is why I, I want to talk about being connected, because it's not good enough that we just come and sit on maroon plush chairs. We need each other, and there will be seasons where we need to look at each other in the eye and say, you're going to make it. I know it feels like you can't make it right now, but this is where we got to get around alongside each other. So we're talking about connected again, and you know, I had a lot of you text me and email me this week saying, that message just really resonated with me last week, the talking about being lonely. And I, th- I th- I think for all of us, it's because we understand, all of us have been in seasons where we feel the suffocating feeling of being lonely. The question becomes, um, how do we address our loneliness when our loneliness has been caused by other people? So last week we talked about Genesis 1 and 2. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast, and it sort of set us up for a a foundational theological discussion about how loneliness is actually a sign that we are designed to be in relationship. But um, what do we do when we've been hurt and disappointed by people? And this makes us unwilling to address our loneliness. In other words, we might be feeling lonely, but our loneliness is not enough for us to like get past the fact that the way to not be lonely is to be with other people. Has anybody ever been in this situation before? You know where you... Listen, R&B singers do this the best of anybody. Actually, gospel singers do this well. They talk a lot about being backstabbed. Now, 
In some cultures, we pretend that that did not happen. That has never happened. It's not true. This is why we need, by the way, just another little plug, this is why we need diversity. You need, you can't just have polka music. God forbid you just have country music. Praying for your soul. <laughs> no, we need each other. But, but this idea that we never get backstabbed by people, that life never hurts, is untrue. And the Psalms actually tell us this first of all. David was often, one-third of the Psalms, are David going, everything is the worst. I have the worst people around me. Everyone is awful. And the, 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 everyone's like a lion trying to eat me. Like, it's very heavy metal. Very, very heavy metal. And if you're not in a bad situation and you come across one of these Psalms, you think, what was wrong with David? But if you're in one of these moments, man, those Psalms minister to your spirit in a way nothing else could. This morning, I want to look at three Old Testament characters. And um, the, the Bible is actually, from Genesis to Revelation, is littered with people that are lonely. And um, what's great about that is that it reminds us that we're not alone um, but it also tells us how God deals with um, people. And I want to start at Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, we find, and I'm, you, you, you're, um, they're going to be up on the screen, but I'm just going to tell you the stories, and then we'll look at the particulars in a few minutes. But Genesis chapter 16 tells us the story of Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai are 90. Well, they're a little bit less than that. They're maybe in their 80s at this point, and they can't have kids, and they want to have kids. And if you've ever been in that position... And I know many, many of you have had journeys of infertility. Dave and I have been there as well. I know that pain, the pain of not being able to have something that you desperately want. And so Sarai decides she's going to take it into her own hands, and she says to Abram, what you're going to do is you're going to have my, you're going to be with my slave. Now, this is all sanitized when we read it in the New King James Version. But in fact, what the Bible is telling us is the very first story of somebody being human trafficked. Hagar didn't sign up for this. She wasn't like, hey, here I am, Abram. No, no. She didn't sign up for it at all. She was a slave to Sarai. Now get this, through. This, this, these kinds of stories should make you go, should kind of take your breath away, right? Like this is a, okay, so Sarai says, you can get with my husband. It, sh it should make you feel uncomfortable. You should think, and this guy, this couple is linked to Hebrews 11, which is the hall of fame of faith. So Sarai gives Hagar to Abram. But then what happens is what happens on all, every reality TV show you watch. Hagar gets with Abram and gets pregnant, and what happens to Sarai? She's not Sarah by this, at this point. She gets mad. I mean, it's Jerry Springer. It's, I don't know, it's like one of those weird shows. She is so mad that she is beating Hagar. And it's so bad that Hagar escapes. Now, now we can make a little bit of, uh, in the biblical text, what you have to do is go back and find the historical. Listen, Hagar ran away. This was not normal for slaves to do this because if a slave ran away, a slave would what? They would be killed. So it's got to be really, really bad. 
she, she's getting pummeled every day by Sarah. This is like Jerry Springer without the, like, there are fists involved, I'm sure, and kicks. I mean, it's bad. She leaves. And she's pregnant, and she goes out to the desert, the Bible tells us. All by yourself. Let's go to the second story. You can imagine how lonely this would be. You've been trafficked. You've been beaten. You've had to run away now. Second story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's the story of Hannah and Elkanah. The, the name Elkanah, if you're, doing, if you're following our Bible study, if you're reading with us, by the way, the little plug, if there's hundred, a couple hundred, uh, 117, I think 121, if you add up all the people, and some of you are couples. So I, I'm excited that more than 100 of us can read the scriptures together. If you haven't signed up, do that. But names in the Bible, we learned this this morning, if you did your reading this morning, names in the Bible mean something. And Hannah is married to Elkanah, Elkanah means manure. I'm putting it nicely. That's the guy she married to. She came down the aisle marrying manure. Now, if you're a parent here and your children are of marrying age, you're going to hope that your kid doesn't marry somebody named manure. Okay, things are not going well for Hannah. Right from the get-go, things are a little bit. And Hannah also cannot have children. And Elkanah, we know, loves Hannah, but Hannah is crying out like, I really want a child. And, 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 and Elkanah says the exact wrong thing. He says to her, Hannah, aren't I enough for you? This is a very bad thing to say. We are coming up to Valentine's Day. Listen, bad, bad advice from Elkanah. But Elkanah, apparently it gets worse because Elkanah has apparently married the meanest person on earth. Her name is Penina. If you're going to have a child this year, do not name them Penina. Penina is as mean as dirt. Hannah is brokenhearted that she cannot have children, which was tied to your worth in the Old Testament. Hannah's brokenhearted about it. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Penina provoked Hannah so badly that she wept and would cry. Now, I know we read that and think, yes, yes, Penina. I want, I want you to just put it in like, what did Penina say to her? Like, what kind of an awful person would be like, Hannah, looks like you can't have any kids. <laughs> Too bad to be. Like, this is terrib terrible. A terrible person, Penina. I, I, the Lord loved her. But I think we can read this scripture and go, poor. Can you imagine how lonely Hannah would be? And then the story even gets worse. So they go down to, to uh, make sacrifices every year. And Hannah is so sad. She's so sad that she's weeping before the Lord, the Bible says. And Samuel sees her and goes, Hannah, Hannah, I know you've had too much to drink this morning. It's a few too many shots of whiskey. This story is insane. She's married to somebody named Manure, she has a secondary wife who is so mean to her that she is making her cry. She goes to church on, it's not church, I know, but like the contextualization. She goes to church on Sunday morning and is worshiping and is crying before the Lord and the pastor thinks she's drunk. This should be, can you imagine how awful you would feel? Like this is adding insult to injury. 1 Samuel chapter 1 is a, if you're having a no, if you want to write a country song, I give you 1 Samuel 1. <laughs> Can you imagine though how lonely she would have felt? 
like absolutely lonely and without hope. Nothing is going right in her life. Our third story is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's the story of Elijah. Elijah, a great and mighty man of God. Much of 1 Kings is written about the the amazing um, way that God worked in him and through him. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, we find Elijah uh, laying down, basically saying he cannot do it. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he says, God, kill me now. He's exhausted. Sometimes our loneliness can be a result of exhaustion too. There's not just one reason that loneliness comes to us. He feels like, and he continues to say this refrain over and over again, God, I'm the only one left. There's only me left. I cannot do this anymore. I'm absolutely unable. All the psychologists who've read this chapter before would know that he is in clinical depression. He actually cannot feed himself. God has to send ravens to feed him. He's depressed and lonely and feeling like there is nothing uh, to live for. So these are our three char- characters. Hagar, who's been human trafficked and is all alone. Hannah, who feels like nothing can go right. And Elijah, who is so exhausted. Truthfully, we could be here all day outlining people who have lived with loneliness. It's a human uh, thing. We, we, like we learned last week, Loneliness is not a sign of our defect, but instead a sign of our design. We were meant to be in relationship, like true, intimate relationship. And by the way, that intimacy is not just found in marriage. Let me just speak to the single people for just a minute. Your worth is not found in the fact that you are married or unmarried. Intimate relationships were not just, intimacy does not equal sexuality. This is where the world has gone all bonkers. Like if you have an intimate relationship with somebody, well then it's definitely gotta be sexual. Where did, we, where did we elevate sexuality to a level that it was not supposed to be? If you're single here today, the thing is, some of, some of us just wait. Like I, I will, I'll stop being lonely once I get married, but the problem is, those of us that are married know that there are seasons when you're married and you're lonely. And if we elevate as the church, these intimate marriage relationships, if we, if we elevate it to the point of idolatry, we're going to have problems, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord has called us to intimacy with one another. Now, praise God for being married. If you're married here, praise God. The Lord instituted marriage. We know that from the Bible, and we uphold that institution. But it, we, we cannot uh, denigrate people who are not married. And Paul talked about this all throughout the Old Testament. This is why, listen, the city of Calgary, 34% of our population is single. If you are single here today, we've been praying for you to come. We believe that we should reflect the, we should reflect the community at some level, yes. Both ethnically, we've got we to gotta reflect what we look like. And, uh, so listen, if you're here and you're single, you're not less than. We're not saying, oh, you, you get to be a real woman of God when you get married, or things are really going to come together for you, sir, once you find that special somebody. Now, we'll celebrate with you if you do get married, but if you remain single for every day of your life, we know that God can use you in powerful ways, and he can use you. Listen, the Bible's very clear about this. He can use you in ways that he cannot use married people.
So the question I began to study, though, is this, when I read these scriptures, what do we do when we find ourselves lonely because of the problem of people? Because of the Sarai's and the Penina's and the Elkanah's and the Jezebel's and Ahab's. What do we do when people around us are the worst? And some of you said to me this week, what I really want to figure out is how do I help people? Uh, Someone who I know is lonely, but they don't want to receive anything from me. What what do I do then? Because I feel like I've been reaching out to people who are lonely and they don't care. They don't seem to have any. um, The stories that we talked about just a second ago, I'm going to show just in a minute that there's an indisputable thread through all of them. And I think it's perhaps the most important thing that we're going to talk about when we talk about loneliness The thing is, while we believe that God is a God who sees us as individuals, listen, God sees you as an individual, he is also a God who works in like certain ways with us. He gives us principles through his word that help us. And the question we can be asking when we're reading the text is this, what does this story tell me about how God works with people? This is why every story you read in the Bible is helpful for for your own growth as a Christian. Uh, In the case of these three stories and the many stories of lonely and disappointed people throughout the scripture, um, we can see uh, that God works in a really specific way. How many of you uh, are fixers? Like when someone tells you something about their life, you try to fix it. Or even your own life. Yes, there's a few fixers. Some of you are just relaxed and some of you are lying right now. (laughs) Because I have told you about things in my life and you've tried to fix them. You know, sociologically, they say that men are real fixers. Now, I, I'm just going to say this for the record. I don't know if that's, I mean, I know men are fixers, but I think a lot of you women are fixers too. Um, someone tells you something, you go right to work. Now, usually you can find this in your own life because you've got a problem in your own life and what you get to do, fixing it. Okay, so when we're lonely, what we often do is like, I will call somebody, I will text somebody, I will Facebook somebody, I will try to look at Instagram and feel better about myself. You will not. That is true. Uh, But we try to like, and then if somebody tells us that they're really lonely, then we try to go into like super model friend mode, like, I will call you every day, I will go out with you, I will eat cheeseburgers with you. I don't know. We go into this fix-it mode. And, um, you know, often I, I even try to, you know, when you fix it yourself, if you are married, poor Dave, when I'm trying to fix it at two in the morning, talking to him. I'm sorry, publicly I say I'm sorry. The problem is this tactic doesn't usually work. Because if it did work, we wouldn't have so many lonely people, right? If it did work, we could all, you know what I could just say? Here's the series. Everybody go be a friend to somebody. And we could sing the I Love You Barney song and we could be done with this. (laughs) But imagine this, that we are the most connected generation that has ever lived. And yet we are the loneliest. It, It is not enough for me to stand up here and say, just find a friend. If you don't join, I mean, I, do, I am going to tell you to join a small group, but I understand that joining small groups, there will still be some of you who join a small group and are lonely. I would be lying and remiss to tell you that that was not true. Because physical connection does not always equal contentment. And essentially, essentially, the antithesis of loneliness 
is contentedness. The antithesis of loneliness is not actually being physically connected to somebody. It's actually feeling content. When you're lonely, what you're not is content, right? You sort of feel like something's missing and you can't. This is why people get into crazy debt, because they're lonely and they think, like, if I go out shopping and I, buy, I, can, I can sort of begin to feel more content. The, the, the root of loneliness is this feeling of discontent. But what we see in Scripture is that God just doesn't stuff the problem of loneliness with people. He doesn't just say, uh, you're lonely? Okay, here's, I'm going to stuff you up with 17 friends. We see that in Scripture, God first addresses the problem of loneliness with his very presence. And this is what makes the church different than any other organization. Let's look at these stories. It's Genesis chapter 16. Hagar is found in the middle of a desert. And by the way, just like if you looked at this geographically, there's absolutely no way Hagar could have lived. Uh, Her journey through the desert would have killed her. She could not have lived. But here's what the scripture tells us. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael. For he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Now listen, listen, Listen to Hagar's response here. Now, I know some of you are like, whoa, I don't know if I'm looking for a word from the Lord like that. Not exactly what I was looking for. Now, we could get into the historical context of it, and we won't. If you're, if you're reading notes, though, this morning, um, I put some things in there that you could, if you go download on Monday the notes, you can look into the histori- historicity of this. But I, I want you to hear what Hagar's response was to God. She gave this name to the Lord. By the way, this is the first time in Scripture that the Lord is named, that the Lord is given a name. This is a very important theological uh, point. She says this, You are the God who sees me. She calls him in Hebrew, You are Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees me. I have now been seen by the one who sees me. I have now been seen by the one who sees. I I want you to see here that God did not fix Hagar's problem. In fact, in some ways, you could say that God sent her back to her problems. And yet the first thing he did was see her. This, this goes against our human instinct, because if I'm fixing the problem, do you know what I'm saying? Okay, Hagar, we're going to get you a little home built here right by this stream in the desert, and we're going to make a little well, and you can live here, and everything's going to be fantastic. It's going to be easy for you. Instead, God understands that often the way to address our loneliness, in, in fact, always in Scripture, is God will encounter people. Let's look at the next one. Uh, Hannah, 1 Samuel 1. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And we see all throughout 1 Samuel chapter 1, God is encountering Hannah with his presence. 
before he ever fixes the problem. First Kings chapter 19, the story of Elijah. In the word of the Lord, so Elijah has said a few verses back that he wants to die. He's done with living. He's done with all of this. He is just done. And this is what the Lord says. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. This is a refrain that he keeps, by the way, you have to read this in a whiny voice because he says it three or four times throughout 1 Kings 19. He's not saying it in like a powerful way. It's whiny. I, I, that is my own interpretation, but... The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. He's basically saying, it's just me. I am so, he's singing the refrain of our series, I am so lonely. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord, for the Lord himself is about to pass by. And then we go through this whole refrain where God comes and his very presence actually meets Elijah. And Elijah's able to get up then and has a supernatural um, experience with God. Now we know from scripture that there were 10,000 prophets that were left. God says this later on. But God doesn't say, Elijah, get over yourself. There's 10,000 people. You certainly can find one friend in 10,000 people. Like, get over. No, God himself comes and meets with Elijah. This is the way that our God works. God encountered his people before he even started practically fixing anything in their lives. Listen to me. God's deepest desire for you is that you would encounter him. Because when we encounter him, he has an opportunity to fix things in our hearts that no person could ever fix. Some of us are trying to fix it with like friends and people and programs and but we're like a bowl that has holes in it. And the water would be like refreshing water of friendships. It's why for some of you, you have a lot of friends around you, but it feels like nothing is enough. You can't, you can't like, you actually don't get better. It just actually feels like you're tired. You're pouring more and more relationships in and nothing gets better. This is why for some of us, we, we joined churches years before, but then we get hurt by people, and it, fe- it feels like the very thing that's supposed to be fixing us is actually hurting us, and we can't understand. This is why our motto as a church is that we would encounter God, and then we would embrace people. It is not by accident that it's that way. We must be people who have had an encounter with God. It's interesting that in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah keeps saying, Elijah keeps saying over and over again, I'm the only one left, God. Please kill me. It's nobody else. And, and we actually know later on in the chapter that God brings Elisha. Elijah, Elisha, very similar, a couple of letters difference. But they become, it, it becomes Elijah's most trusted servant. Walks with him all the rest of his days. But get this, God doesn't bring Elisha to him until Elijah encounters the presence of God. It is the presence of God that will address our loneliness. Now, that is not an excuse to say, okay, well, I'm just going to come to church and encounter God, and God will have to, you're lonely, who cares? God will have to fix you. Uh, Because actually, the scripture doesn't teach us that either. God encounters Elijah, and then he brings Elisha. He encounters, he encounters Hannah, and then, then she has 
Samuel. God encounters Hagar. He is the one who sees me. And then Ishmael's born, and we know that Ishmael becomes a great and mighty, he becomes great and mighty. And Hagar goes on to be a person of esteem. And to this day, listen, people in the world are still talking about Hagar. Why? Because she encountered the God who saw her. This is why we still believe in a God that encounters us. We still believe in a God that wants to meet us. And he wants to fill up the holes so that when we are pouring in relationships, they actually, we're actually able to hold them. Some of you are here and, listen, it's felt like you've gone through a million people. Like, it just feels hard. And if you're just really honest, it just feels like I can't do this again. Like, I can't, I can't put myself out there again because, like, what's going to happen? Anybody ever felt that way? Like, I just don't know. You don't, also, here's the weird thing. The loneliest people in our world right now are between the ages of 18 and 24. That feels so wrong to me. Because if you're between 18 and 24, you got your whole life ahead of you. I want to suggest that no matter where we are, that we all must encounter God. The question becomes, how do we encounter God? I mean, this is an age-old question that people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus are asking, how do I encounter God? And some of you are asking it this way. How do I encounter God and not be weird? Because <sighs> nobody wants to sign up to be weird. None of us are like getting up and going, could I be the weirdest version of myself ever? I'm going to tell you a secret today. I, uh, well, it's not really a secret. I, w I was going to have an object lesson because I was, I was wearing these short pants today. I know some of you are like, where is she going? What does this have to do with it? And there was so much snow out, so I put white socks on. <laughs> and I came into the church, and this is what I saw people do. Hi, Jess. You know, you know, people are trying not to look at you, but they're looking at you anyways. <laughs> Bethany, I'm going to use you as an example because it's so funny. I came through this door, and she looked at my socks, and she looked down at my socks, and then she looked up, like, as if to, like, pretend she didn't see the weirdness of my socks. <laughs> and I just carried on. So I'm sorry for those of you that I played this joke on. <laughs> Ah, uh, the thing is, and then I took the socks off because it was so weird that I couldn't, like, handle the weirdness. I really wanted to start every conversation of, this is an object lesson that I'm doing right now today about weirdness. I gave up on the socks. The point being, we want to encounter God, and we need to encounter God. And most of us, listen, most of us know ourselves well enough to know that we have pain in our heart, we have hurt in our heart, that is debilitating. And like, I don't mean debilitating like you can't get out of bed, obviously you all did, but I mean debilitating in the way that you know it kind of make. There's things about yourself you don't want people to know. So how do we encounter God? This is where we always come back to Scripture. How did the people in Scripture encounter God? It's really quite... So like the amazing thing is it's not rocket science. You don't have to... I'm not 
come forward and everybody stand on your head, try to do... This is not the way of Scripture. The way of Scripture is that people encounter God like Hagar. Crying in the desert. Like Elijah, calling out to God. Saying, God, like I, I can't do this anymore. I want to die. This is the amazing thing about Elijah, though, because Elijah is, like, known as the powerful prophet. Power, like, I mean, he did. He was the guy that putting all the water on, on the, and then calling down fire from heaven. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't called down fire in, like, a, a day or two. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Elijah was power, but in 1 Kings chapter 19, so, so let me just speak to those of you that have the, uh, that have the reputation of being a strong Christian, or being a strong person of faith. You can be a strong person of faith and find yourself in a season of loneliness. And God never, what's amazing to me is God's response to Elijah. He doesn't get mad at him. Elijah says, I want to die, and he lays down. And God sends birds to feed him. He doesn't chastise him. He sends his very presence as a whisper quiet whisper to him. And Hannah calls out to God. And she says, so the, the point is, all throughout scripture, people encountered God by calling out to God, by not having pretension, pretending that they have it all together. And what's amazing is that God meets them. This is the God we serve, and he meets us. This morning, I, I, I want to encourage you to be people who cry out to God. That's all I really have this morning, that we'd be people who cry out to God in the middle of our loneliness. And then, and then we know that God brings people to us. And so we have to be obedient to that. Okay, so listen, Elijah, I, I'd never seen this scripture before like this. Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah wants to die at the beginning of the chapter. He's laying down, he is, the birds are feeding him, it's a very strange chapter. And then God comes out and his presence comes and he, he meets with Elijah. He encounters him. And then, I, I just want to read this scripture because, let me just find it in my notes. It says, um, so Elijah, okay, so God encounters Elijah. And then the very next verse says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. I'd never connected these stories together. You know what Elijah could have said? God, I'm the only one. Forget it. I'm done. I'm done with this. Whatever. God could have brought him food and he could have said, nah, I'm not going to eat it. God could have then uh, brought his presence and Elijah could have said, it's a whisper. Who cares? What is a whisper going to do? Some, some of you have said this. God encountering me in, in a whisper. What's that going to do for me? It's not going to change my life. And he brings Elisha, and God could have said, well, you're just sending me like some young punk. And he kind of was. If you read the chapter, read it. It's a good one to read. But he didn't. And never again in Scripture, Elijah, Elijah instead embraced all the ways that God provided for him. So this morning we're going to pray that God's going to encounter us. But more than just God encountering us, 
we're going to say, God, I'm going to step forward into your provision. You're going to provide people for me. You're going to send people. You're going to heal parts of my heart. And then I believe you're going to bring people to me. And it might not look like that small group's going to change your life in any way. I can tell you this, so it could be the very whisper of God that you need in your life. Hmm. Can we just bow our heads in prayer today? I, I just believe God wants to encounter us. Some of us are feeling real low this morning. You maybe resonate with one of these characters that we talked about. Maybe you resonate with Hagar. It feels like you have been abused in some way, shape, or form. And you feel like you're in a desert. Know that our God is a God who sees you. He sees you. He's the God who sees you. You might not even know if you believe in him, but he is Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees you. And today, all it takes is one step to say, Jesus, I, I, I know that you see me. I'm asking you to heal me. Maybe some of you are, are, are like Hannah and you've been asking God for something for so long. I don't know what the deepest desires of your heart would be, but it feels like there's meanness around it. Like you just, nothing is working out. He is the God that sees your petitions and prayers. Others of you are maybe like Elijah. Maybe at some point you were walking in the power of God and now you're just exhausted. Maybe the pandemic took it out of you. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you, but some of you are on the continuum of exhaustion. I'm going to pray that like Elijah, that God would come like a whisper to you today and that you would be able to receive that. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come at this moment. I know that in all these scriptures that God encounters people by themselves. But often, particularly through the New Testament, God uses his people to encounter people. Encounter people. This is the way that it works. And I, I, I know that for some, listen, some of you might be hearing you think, I don't need to have somebody pray with you. Listen, we never want to have a Sunday go by where people don't have an opportunity to be prayed for. Maybe you're hearing, you, you just need someone to believe, yeah, God, would you just encounter I, I'm praying that God would encounter you and somebody's going to lay hands on you. God's going to do something miraculous. So as we, as we begin to sing, can you stand? Can everybody stand to their feet this morning? Aren't you glad for a God that meets us where we are? I'm certainly glad for that. If you're here this morning, though, I, don't, don't walk alone. Don't walk alone. God is here. His very presence is here. His power is here. If you need somebody to pray with you, as Jackie begins to lead us, would you just come? And we're going to close just with a blessing. I believe that God's going God's to God's fill up some holes in our buckets today. He's going to do some reparation work. Jesus, I thank you for your people today. Would you heal us? Would you deliver us? Would you encounter us? In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.